Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Batter up. Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. Maggie could not be with us this week, but we'll ha- we're having another short sort of social distancing episode of A Pod of Their Own <laughs> since, you know, <laughs> nothing is going on in baseball, as has been true for many a week now. Um, this is episode 43 of A Pod of Their Own. Um, and we thought that we would kind of have two topics to discuss today. Um, obviously, we already um, had sort of a breaking news pod when uh, Noah Syndergaard's UCL tear kind of first broke. Um, but I figured it would be a more interesting discussion to kind of talk about um, the ethics of Noah Syndergaard, Chris Sale, and other pitchers getting Tommy John surgery during this time um, because many hospitals have ended elective surgeries altogether um, because obviously they have to direct as many resources as they possibly can to COVID-19 patients and response. Um, but yeah. And they these... kind of, yeah, they kind of went around it by not doing the surgery in New York, but it's still like Florida is still hit too. So it doesn't matter where you get it done. You're still taking resources away yeah florida's about to be a hell of a lot worse than it is now and they're trying to blame new york for it but uh-huh um, yeah not the people at the beach it's all new york's fault yeah yeah it's all it's all the snowbirds from new york that are coming to florida yeah okay buddy uh-huh um, yeah it's your not- own 
house under control before yeah, it's with not the fact that you didn't people. close the beaches um, uh-huh. but yeah so florida is not exactly like been spared <laughs> it, by any stretch of the imagination uh no part of the country is has been completely spared we're gonna get to the point where there are cases all over the place i mean we're already getting there obviously there are certain parts of the country namely new york california washington um and obviously New York meaning like the whole tri-state area, not just New York and New York State. Um, New Jersey's been hit pretty hard. But um, there are hot spots, but obviously this touches everywhere. And it's going to get, and it's going to keep, the cases are going to keep going up. Um, they're saying that the peak is probably going to be somewhere between two weeks to a month from now, depending on where you live. Which um, is a scary thought. Yeah. So obviously everything's on lockdown bare minimum for that long um, and probably longer. I know Toronto just canceled like all events like up until June 30th, right? Yeah, they say sports are exempt from it now. Okay. But I don't see how you can realistically like or even if they try to get around it, like since there's only one team in Canada or in Toronto in each league, but I don't know how you can get around that. I don't like I would maybe bring it back in July without fans. I think that's probably the best way to go at this point, but Yeah. I don't know. Just it's it's seeming less and less likely that any sports are gonna be played this year. Yeah, exactly. Um and so um, you know, I'm I'm with you, Linda. I'm of the mind that I feel I feel icky about Noah Syndergaard getting Tommy John surgery during this. It feels <laughs> like he's utilizing his privilege to get something that most people wouldn't be able to get. And I understand the argument because there are there there is the argument that this surgery is necessary for mm-hmm. these players' livelihoods, which is true. However, I I kind of have two counter arguments to that. One is that these people are still richer than any of us will ever be in our lives. Even if Noah Syndergaard's career ended tomorrow, he would still have accumulated more money playing baseball than many of us will ever make in our entire lives. Um, So it's not like they'll be out of house and home. It's not like they will be poor without more money from baseball. But it still sucks to not be able Mm -hmm. to play the game that you love and to do the thing that you love. I get it. Um, but the other counter argument is that there are people right now who rely on the physical health of their bodies to do their jobs who need like hip replacements and knee replacements mm-hmm. who aren't getting them. Yep. That's so. kind of how, yeah, that's kind of like how I felt too. But at this, and the other argument was, well, he was in Florida. So what difference does it make? But, you know, like we said, they are about to get hit. And it's not just that. It's the masks. It's the gowns. It's, you know, the the time away from the doctors. Like, you're, you're stealing resources. Or not stealing. But those resources could have gone to where they were needed more. Um, to where they could do more good over a longer period of time instead of helping just Noah Syndergaard get Tommy John surgery they could have been used to helping like 10 COVID patients like one doctor could have worn that gown and seen 10 patients 10 COVID patients so that's where it gets a little more icky I think is steal. I keep saying stealing resources redirecting resources to 
to people that could have been helped. But I don't know if we can blame Noah because obviously he's going to want to get it done. It's his livelihood. It's his life. And he's every right to, you know, feel that way. But we're blame the system that, you know, we've it's not just him getting Tommy John surgery. It's James Dolan getting tested. It's all the Nets players getting tested. It's um, the jazz players getting tested. We have a system that just favors the wealthy. And that's just how it is right now. And, you know, maybe we can recognize that and maybe channel our anger towards that and fixing that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree. We should blame the system, not Noah Syndergaard for, you know, benefiting from said system. Yeah, um, like Chris Sale isn't going to turn it down either. These are their livelihoods, and I get that, and I get that it's scary for them, too. They don't know, you know, if they're going to be the same pitchers again, or they don't want to delay, or if they delay it, will it be worse? Will they ever pitch again? And I get that. So I don't blame, totally blame them for wanting to get it done, but, you know, again, we've seen where this country's priorities are, and it's pretty ugly. Um, and actually, um, Emma, uh, Bachelary of Sports Illustrated, um, wrote pretty much an article on pretty much this exact topic, um, about whether it's, you know, ethical for players to get Tommy John surgery during this crisis. Um, and she interviewed a bunch of, um, uh, medical ethicists and things like that for that piece. So I highly recommend you read it. Um, but what was interesting is that, you know, coming out of that piece, because obviously she tweeted it out like every writer does when they write something. Um, and Pete Alonzo <laughs> hopped into oh, her Pete. replies to defend Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> and, you know, he's just like people got mad at him for this. And I get it. But like he's going to defend his teammate. And of course. I think, again, it's about like. Noah Syndergaard himself is getting a lot of shit for this um and it's it's about like not directing the ire at the player for you know wanting Mm -hmm. to preserve his livelihood um so Alonso tweeted in response to Emma's story um he tweeted who is to judge someone's medical needs in order to perform their job Noah's Noah's surgery or any other athlete's surgery during this time shouldn't be scrutinized considering it is done by orthopedic surgeons not those on the front lines battling the pandemic and Alonso has been you know one of the biggest supporters of healthcare workers during this time he's donated money Mm -hmm. he's publicly you know tweeted and put on his Instagram story all sorts of support for healthcare workers but yeah he's you know, he he makes a good point about, like, orthopedic surgeons, like, not being the ones that are taking care of COVID patients. But like you said, Linda, it's the supplies that are the problem in the space. The yeah. physical space in the hospital, the masks that the surgeons have to use because they have to wear masks when they're performing any yeah. surgery. And I think out of that article and all the ire, I think they just announced today that they're stopping all Tommy John surgeries. Mm. Interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet about that, that they're stopping everything, so... I didn't see that, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah it seems to have gotten through. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. It's a fuzzy line. I mean, I definitely am frustrated at the system and the way that the rich people seem to be getting preferential treatment, not just when it comes to elective surgeries, but when it comes to, you know getting tests <laughs> and things like that like you see all these celebrities who have mild cases who would normally be turned away for a test because they're not severe enough 
Yeah, that's um, what kills me. They're like, they're asymptomatic and staying at home. Then how did you get tested? Yeah, People exactly. People who have like, like 103 fevers can't get tested, but they're asymptomatic and somehow magically a test appeared. Yeah, like Idris Elba is all like, I, I tested positive for COVID, but it's cool, guys. I'm home. I'm doing okay. It's like, how'd you get a test then? No one else Yeah, I think they said James Dolan is asymptomatic. So first of all, why did he even get a test done? And second of all, where'd the test come from? Yeah, so it's, you know, ethically questionable. Um, even, like, the ch- the medical ethicists themselves that Emma interviewed, one of them called it, quote, a really fuzzy line, which I think is, like, a good way to describe it. Um, like, at, like, at the time that it was done, it was legal. There's no question about it. Yeah. It was legal, but it's not, I would call it not exactly ethical. Um, yeah. It's icky, like we said. Yeah, and if they really are putting a stop to Tommy John's, that's interesting because there have been a few pitchers since um, Sale and Syndergaard who um, have been recommended for Tommy John surgery. Yes, Sir Anthony Dominguez was just recommended, yeah. Sir Anthony Dominguez of the Phillies has a torn ECL and was recommended for Tommy John and to my knowledge has not had it yet, so now he may not be able to have it. Yeah, Um, Yeah, it looks like both CBS Sports and Sport Illustrated have the, um, the story, Dr. James Andrews halts Tommy john surgery during coronavirus pandemic there you go so so i don't know if it's just james andrews or if it's every doctor yeah interesting um so yeah i mean like i agree with that action even if it's it it's like you know better late than ever so to speak but i do feel bad then for like sir anthony dominguez it's it's like i I can't I was going to say, no, it's kind of not fair to him. Yeah. Like, oh, I was diagnosed too late, I guess. It sets his timeline back a lot. I mean, like, obviously, like, who the heck knows when we're going to get baseball back again. So, like, obviously, you know, if this this season is lost entirely, you know, that gives – Noah a whole year to recover and he's it since he got his surgery you know on Thursday um he's probably gonna be ready for like early next season probably not yeah. opening day 2021 but like close Maybe like May. yeah like May 2021 ish if his recovery goes you know according to the general Tommy John no recovery. guarantee but um, and especially because like who knows like, obviously, pitchers like Sir Anthony Dominguez are going to be significantly delayed if they can't get their Tommy John until after elective surgeries resume. But even pitchers like Sale and Syndergaard, who got their Tommy Johns now, their recovery timeline may be delayed from the typical Tommy John surgery recovery timeline because they can't work out at all. Yeah, any, like, no rehab. Fashion. Yeah, so, like, how are they exactly rehabbing? I mean, they can do some activities, but the like official team workouts and such like that are off I mean I know Mm -hmm. that during the like height of this crisis like obviously Noah Syndergaard is not going to be doing really anything because right after surgery you're just resting but um but yeah it'll be interesting to see if this affects their timelines in any significant way um because of the inability to do true rehab for a while and that's for, like, anybody, too, mm-hmm. who's still trying to recover, like, Cespedes. He's still trying, Lowry, like, what are they doing? Can they go to rehab? I don't know. Trying to make me go to rehab. To rehab, I said, I said no, 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 no. no. <laughs> anyway. It's just the same Actually, the CDGC now. said no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. 
try to make me go to rehab. CDC said no, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, should I name that the title of the... <laughs> yeah, I think that's the title of this show. <laughs> yeah, try to make me go to rehab. So. CDC said no, no, no. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting. I it It's one of many, like, ethical quandaries that have come up with the convergence of covid and sports you know like and like the biggest one which i'm not even gonna attempt to answer at this time because it's more like philosophical or meta in nature it's just like you know like sports are non-essential if you think about it like in general like well did you see that john oliver Yes. Segment. Yes. yes. When he said they're never really important, but they're especially not important right now. I think he summed it up pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, and obviously this is continuing to develop. Um, and yeah, we'll see how baseball goes. But in the meantime, Although I do kind of have to disagree with that statement because I am currently watching the Mike Piazza 9-11 game and sports <laughs> were kind of important that day. Yes, so they were very kind, important that day. They were. So sports are important in their own place and time. How about with that? Yeah, ESPN, obviously by the time you all hear this, it'll be too late for this announcement. But ESPN is currently, as we record at 8.30 p.m. on uh, on Tuesday night, ESPN is uh, airing the post 9-11 Mike Piazza game. So I'm sure that there are lots of Mets fans tuned into that right now, um, including Linda. So maybe yep. maybe uh, you'll get some inter- some live interjections uh, and it'll be like the good old days when we used to oh, pod with games on. <laughs> yeah, I already feel my blood boiling again. I'm like, oh, Javi Lopez. I was like, oh, I hated that guy. <laughs> forgot about Javi Lopez. I totally forgot about Javi Lopez. And then you showed Chipper Jones's numbers against the Mets. I was like, really? I don't God need this it. right now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but Piazza yeah. brought it that game. He already has two doubles and a run scored. Yeah. Yep. But then I remember he also said he was nervous because Chipper Jones was running home and he said there was a play at the plate and he goes, and I just flat out dropped the ball. He was like, I was having so hard. Con- it was so hard for me to concentrate. And he was like, and I just, I dropped the ball. And I was like, oh. So now, like, watching that and like going through it in my mind, I was like, e- Mike, you should have had that, man. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Um, I can't get mad. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, but on that note, it's actually a good, um, that's a good segue to our next topic of discussion. So um, we asked um, 
We asked folks to tweet at us, email us, et cetera, about the best game that they've ever been to in person. Um, And we've curated all the responses, which I will read in a little bit, but I will read one of them first because it's about this particular game. Um, Because Vaz, fellow Amazing Avenue writer and curator of the March Badness tournament, among other things (laughs) at Amazing Avenue. Which you should be voting in. You should be voting in because we're down to the home stretch now. Um, so Vaz was present at this game, which is crazy. Um, that is crazy. I don't think I've ever met anybody who was at that game, and now I, I know, have. I know. So he wrote about this game. A lot has already been said and written about this game, but it was a truly surreal experience. My mom and I decided to get tickets about an hour before the game, which I'm amazed that there were tickets an hour before I the am game, too. Uh, besides Piazza's home run, the thing I vividly remember is the Mets and Braves shaking hands before the game. As a, kid who, as a kid who hated the Braves, as all Mets fans did, seeing them put the rivalry aside for this moment made the game feel bigger than anything I had experienced up until that point. It really put uh, sports in perspective, but also showed why they're so necessary in times of crisis. Um, so I think that's really well said. Um, mm-hmm. Imagine shaking kind of- hands. Yeah, couldn't be me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, that was a thing once. <laughs> that was a thing once. <laughs> but you know, and then you know, the Mets have been like live tweeting this game, and like you know, they've been having like a lighter, and I think um, Glendon Rush to live tweeting and Bobby Valentine. And Bobby, <laughs> and Bobby Valentine was like, I don't think we ever figured out what Chipper Jones couldn't hit. <laughs> so like even that like and then Jason Marquis was from New York. Um, it was just so many like little nuances to the game, like just rewatching. And then, um, you know, they showed the the scoreboard wrapped in the in the red, white, and blue. Um, ribbon which they still have out above Shake Shack and you know just seeing New York come together again like especially given now everything that's going on um it, it just it, I don't know this it's the, the weird symmetry right now just watching this again and with given everything that's going on and you know bringing back all the memories and those those bagpipes, man. Those first notes yeah. of the bagpipes, I lose it every time. <laughs> That's always rough on the emotions. Yeah, oh, and then just but the, all their reactions too, like Bobby Valentine, like getting into it, like he was like nodding along with the USA chants, and, um, and then Piazza clearly starts crying on the field, <laughs> like Mike, you can't do this to yeah, me. Seriously. <laughs> Mark Anthony cries just singing the national anthem. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is, I remember sitting at home just sobbing on my couch watching this for the first time. And I just I remember, you know, that was really one of the first times I really cried at a baseball game. Yeah, same, I think. Yeah, I think that's like and it's like a big it was like a big turning point in my fandom. Like, it yeah, my solidified too. my fandom. Yeah, because I was for like 99. I was too young. <laughs> So I didn't really see them lose because it was past my bedtime and I had to go to bed. So, you know, I woke up the next morning disappointed. Like, I went to bed resigned to the fact that they were going to lose. Yeah. And um, so when I woke up, I'm like, oh, they lost. That sounds about right. <laughs> so I was disappointed. But this was the first time, like, I was heartbroken watching a game. And the first time I remember physically crying at at a baseball game and you know I don't, I don't think i was alone in that not at all not at all 
Um, oh, in 2002, 2000, I don't, I think I was still, t- yeah, I was in eighth grade in 2000. No, I just dated myself. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I was still too young to stay up to watch the World Series. So again, I, I was resigned to the fact that they were going to lose. So again, disappointed, but not like sobbing like I was here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Linda, what are some of the best games you've been to in person? You know, I like you when we said we were gonna do this segment. I racked my brain, racked my brain to come up with a good answer, and there's so many, and they're all. And I don't know if hindsight makes them more special or if hindsight dims them a little bit. But so I was trying to put myself back in the moment because then also you have recency bias and. Because then if I had flat-out recency bias, it would be 8-9-2019, shirtless Conforto. That's pretty freaking good, though. Yes, because Strowman was so good that night. You know, I wrote about it um, when I came. I think the next day I wrote a little piece for Amazing Avenue about it. And I remember at the time thinking, watching the Mets bat was boring because you just wanted to see Strowman come back out and watch him pitch because he was so magnetic and just so electric that night because it was his city field debut. And then, you know, then Brandon hit the home run and, you know, every, and I was so disappointed because I'm like, the narrative is going to be that the Mets just can't beat good teams. Cause that was what it was at the time. Like, Oh yeah, they're just beating up on the Nash or not the Marlins and, you know, bad teams. And so that's what was going through my head. And then, of course, my man JD yeah. starts it off with a double, which and he had a home run earlier in the game. He's the one who got started with a home run earlier in the game. Underrated hero us. of that game for sure. He really is, and um, so he hit the double, and then you're like, oh, okay. Like he starts stirring, and then Ramos hits the single. And you're like, oh, okay. Like here we go, here we go, and then Todd Frazier hit the home run, and. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm like, did that really, did that really happen? And you know, it was a t-shirt giveaway. So we're all using the t-shirts as rally, rally towels. I remember banging the railing in front of me and, you know, people were just high-fiving, going crazy. But then I sat back down. I was like, God damn it. Because <laughs> Luis Avilon came in the, game, the, uh, the inning before and gave up a wild pitch. Right. And Trey Turner scored. So it's like, that should have been a walk-off. So then I started getting mad because like that should have ended the game. And then, but then um, Joe Panic, I give him credit for batting after that and getting a hit. And then Rosario kept it going. And then Jeff McNeil hit a ball to like, foul territory, like a little bit past first base, but everybody like started cheering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because you start watching with your heart and not your head. And it's like, clearly that ball was going nowhere. But we all jumped out of our seats. But that was, I think, the second out. And then, oh, yeah, because Ligaris, I think, got tried to bun or didn't get it or something. But that was the second out. And then Conforto came up and you could tell it was well hit. Because he was having a nice at bat. He was fouling pitches off and stuff. And you could tell it was well hit. And... You know, you see Eaton running after it. I'm like, ah, oh, stupid Eaton. And then all of a sudden, he just stopped. And Yeah, I think he could have caught it. I think so, too. I was like, 
Huh? He bailed what? on it big time. He did. I really thought he was going to catch it. But then all of a sudden I see it because we sit behind home plate, but just like in the promenade level. So pretty much everything's in front of us. So, you know, we were tracking it, tracking it, and I could see Eaton chasing it. And then I see it just drop on the warning track. We're all going nuts. I was like, like it was the kind of game like you just, you, like you're so amped later on that you can't go to bed. Yeah. Um, that was how I felt like, you know, you had to listen to the post game and they'll be sitting in traffic, like leaving. Everybody's beeping their horns to like, let's go Mets in the parking lot. Like the stadium workers were all like cheering as we're leaving. So I want to say it was that one, but the, the game after the Walmart Flores game in 2015, I think also ranks up there. That's pretty um, when they, good. Yeah, when they completed the sweep of the Nationals. Um... Noah Syndergaard, again, was electric that night. Uh, he struck out Bryce Harper on, like, a 100-mile-per-hour fastball to end his night, and Harper just stood there looking confused. Like, I have that image burned in my memory because it was so, so beautiful. Good. And that was when Grandy, Murph, and Duda hit home runs in the same inning. Yeah, on, yeah, like, yeah, In yeah, the span yeah. of, like, five pitches or something. And we were saying, I got tickets. It was the 4 for 48 deal because DeGrom was in the All-Star game. And I got tickets for $11 each. And we were on field level. That's awesome. And we were right by the, we were down the right field line in, like, that section that kind of juts out. And so we, we saw all the balls coming towards us, towards the Pepsi porch. And we're like, here it comes again. Here, here it comes, comes again. everyone. Oh, like, look out! Here he comes. <laughs> so, and then ESPN kept like I didn't realize it was in the shot of the ESPN camera. So I was on ESPN, like looking like a fool the entire night. Because <laughs> then my cousin texts me and he goes, "Syndergaard's gonna need that kind of energy for the stretch run." It's a scream captain. <laughs> like, oh, Robbie. Um. So that was, and so I kind of weigh those two. Um. But hindsight, you know, 2015, they ended up making it. Like, that game meant more. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It meant meant more later than it did, like, in the moment, I guess. Yeah. And then that, like, they'd already won the first two games. So, it's like, okay, we already got the series. Let's, you know, this is fun. And then I remember in, um, I think it was Tears of Joy, that SNY documentary. Ronnie Ronnie said, the Nationals got a taste of their own medicine. The bullies got bullied. Yep. And that's always kind of stuck with me is, you know, we finally kind of stood up for ourselves because we had been, you know, the Nationals punching bag for so long up to that point. So, and, you know, but the both games were against the Nationals, too. I think that also makes it a lot sweeter. Yeah, definitely. Um, so those are my two. But then, of course, you know, David Wright's final game. Um I was there for Mike Piazza's first game back when he got after he left and went to the Padres. I was there too. <laughs> Were you like? Because everybody always confuses this because they always say it's the game he hit the home run in, and it's not. That was the second game. Yeah. Because the first game, I think he just got a double, and. And then, uh, because then we were all chanting, like, Mike Piazza the whole yep. game. And then we started chanting Paul LaDuca. <laughs> yep, yep. Just I was at that game, too. I was at that game, too. We've been to so many of the same games. <laughs> and, like, they had the whole tribute beforehand. And, you know, that was kind of an emotional day. And just like the David Wright game, the, you know, I missed 
I missed the op- the the first ceremony, the, the opening ceremonies. But yeah, um, you were stuck in traffic. I know I was stuck in traffic, so I wasn't prepared for him to leave because for me it just seemed like so soon because I had just gotten there. Right, right. So, so I remember my brother saying, "No, don't take him out," and I was like, "What? What do you mean? Like it's only the fifth inning. He's not leaving." And then all of a sudden, I see him start walking, and then the Captain America theme song. I was like, oh no, they're playing the Captain America theme. And then I lost it after that. And um, it was it wasn't until later, because my brother said Austin Jackson, Jay Bruce, and Jeff McNeil... Um, all took their hats off and put them at their feet as he was exiting the field. And I didn't realize it at the time. I was too, you know, wrapped up in the moment. So I went back to my pictures and Jay Bruce and Jeff McNeil are standing side by side and their hats are off and on their field. is like, I guess a sign of respect as the captain was leaving. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Those little things that you don't pick up on, like in the moment, because you do get too wrapped up in the moment. But I'm like, at the same time, I don't want to just be watching it through a phone either. Right. So that's also what I kind of weigh too, because back in 2015, you know, I I wasn't as so like I have to record this moment as like I was four years later or even like Mike Piazza's game. I have no pictures from that game because I didn't have a camera phone back in 2006. So like so my memories are different because you don't you know, you're not so you know, focused on, I have to get a picture, I have to get a picture, and you can just, you know, enjoy the moment. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. those are probably my (laughs) my main ones. So between the two of us, because you missed the beginning of the game because you were stuck in traffic, but I was there for this pregame ceremony and everything, um, and it was obviously super emotional, but I I had to leave the the game early. No! um, You couldn't see the speech afterwards? I did not. No. Oh, because okay. we started chanting like out. We were out in right field, and the game. It was an awful game. Like, let's be real. It was, yeah, uh, it was terrible. Awful game. Terrible and game. so I want to say, like, it was probably around the tenth inning where everybody in right field just started chanting, "We want fireworks! We want fireworks!" Because it was fireworks tonight. Yes, yes, that's right. So, like, people were just like not paying attention. They just wanted the game over. And they're like, we just want to see Dave again. We just want to say goodbye. <laughs> so I didn't expect to have to leave the game early, but obviously the game went extra innings. And so um, the reason why I had to leave early is because that weekend I had the dog with me. So like Uh-oh. at the time I still lived in Baltimore, but I knew I wanted to go to David Wright's final game. Like I was going to go I, by hook or by crook, no matter what. So um, but I still lived in Baltimore and I took the dog with me up to New Jersey because I think my roommate must have been going somewhere that weekend too. And so I had to take the dog with me. And so the oh. dog was back at the house by herself in, in the crate. So we couldn't leave her there like for too long. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. obviously, like she, she has to go out. And so like it's starting to go extra innings and we're like, oh no, I can't leave the dog. So eventually we, we, it went too long and we had to leave. Oh. So I missed the end. But you well, know, for us, we're is. like, well, we got our full nine innings worth now. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. So between the two of us, we saw the whole game. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely David Wright's final game is definitely one of my more memorable in person ones. Um, you brought up the Nationals um, game. I was at a game, one of my most memorable in person games, and this is probably my most memorable not City Field game. Um, so about a week after um, the national series, the Mets went to Camden Yards. And so I lived in Baltimore at the time. And so I went to both. Um, it was it was the same thing that it was uh, like two years ago when they um, played the Orioles, because obviously the interleague play, they don't play the Orioles all that often. And so they usually the way they do it is they do two games in New York and two games in Baltimore. Um, and so I went to both games in Baltimore um but one of the two games was a DeGrom start um yeah it was August 8th uh 2015 and it was a seven line army game and it was it was so it was their like Baltimore outing and I had never been to yeah (laughs) I know oh okay I thought Chipper Jones hit a home run but it wasn't (laughs) shit <laughs> reacting to games from 2001 no but it's chipper jones <laughs> larry yeah but peyton caught it right at the center field wall so continue <laughs> <laughs> um so it was it was the seven line armies baltimore outing and so i had never been to like a game with them before and it was also just like really cool because there were all these mets fans and i ended up getting a ticket i like i didn't get a ticket to the outing but i ended up getting a ticket i knew the section they were sitting in so i got a ticket to like that section i just went by myself and i had a blast because there were all these mets fans there um and we were just all one big group and jake pitched a gem and the the Mets won hell yeah and it was really fun I got to like hold a giant cardboard cutout of Jacob deGrom's head and like I oh yeah wasn't that your picture for a while yeah my profile picture on Facebook during like the entire stretch run yeah (laughs) um was me holding the cardboard cutout of Jacob deGrom's head um and yeah and it, it was just it was a blast like obviously like living in Baltimore I love Camden Yards it's my favorite ballpark I have such like a warm place in my heart for Camden Yards so whenever the Mets come there it's a huge treat for me and so in 2015 it was extra special because the Mets were in the stretch run at that point and DeGrom pitched a gem and the Mets had a great game and so like and obviously like Adam Jones and Manny Machado were still on the Orioles at that point so I was getting to watch them play so that was when they went to the to the wild card too wasn't mm-hmm. it like yeah. they were good yeah, yeah the, the Orioles were good back then um so so it was just it was it was just it's just a special game for me um even though it's like not a game that particularly stands out in all the great games they had during the second half of 2015 um it's a special um game for me um so that's a big one for me um another big one for me and it was uh R.A. Dickey's one hit shutout against the Phillies which yeah. you were also at I think <laughs> yes. we've been to so many of the same games <laughs> These other two games that it's I kind of scary that I put in my notes are games that Linda's also been to. So, um, Ari <laughs> Dickey's one hit shutout before against the we Phillies knew each other. Was, yeah, before we knew each other uh, was so much fun. Oh my god, um, Ari Dickey's whole season that year was just really, really was, fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, watching him pitch was an event. Uh, the team was otherwise pretty bad, obviously, and so. Oof. Yeah, those lineups, man. Him in that Cy Young season was just it was he was something to behold. It was it was really special and he was kind of like a novelty, like, you know, he was a knuckleballer and just 
dominant. Like, it was, like, he just kind of had a, like, what? Is this really happening? And he was, like, racking up the strikeouts, too. It wasn't just, like, you know, soft contact. Like, they were, it was like, you know, he would have some, some high strikeout games. He was dominant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that one shutout against the Phillies was such a good game. Um, and he, um, so I, the, the thing that I remember most from that game isn't even the game itself, although obviously that was really fun, but the, (laughs) the standout memory from that game is like coming, like leaving the stadium after the game, um, like all these people around us in like in the uh in the stairwell were chanting, "You got dicky!" Clap, 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 clap. You got dicky, and it was so loud. It was deafening, and it was amazing. And it it's kind of like you said with the Nationals. Like it's extra special when it's like a memory like that happens against like a division rival rival. Yeah. Um, so watching him like completely annihilate the Phillies was just like so satisfying. <laughs> I know it just makes it that extra sweet. Yeah. So that's, that's up there as far as my favorite games. Another one, um, just because at the time, this is, this is another one that you like, like you said, Linda, how like some of them become more special in retrospect and you don't realize at the time that they're special. Like Mm -hmm. this game was good, but I think it's become more special with time because Wilmer Flores, obviously, like I didn't know at the time that he wasn't going to be a Met, you know, yeah, like soon after that. So um, so Wilmer Flores uh, on July 22nd, 2017, Wilmer Flores hit what turned out to be his last walk off as a Met. Um, and yeah. I was at that game. It was so was I. Yeah, <laughs> Linda was there too. And also, what also made it special at the time it was, it was because it was right before the deadline, and that was the last time we saw or yet in person Grandy and Duda too. Yeah, yeah, and Duda that's had a really true. big pinch hit. Um, I think he got either tied the game or he started the rally or something because he pinch hit um, late that game. Yes, you're right. And then I think Randy came in to pinch run. So they yes. both got into the game and that was both the last time. Yeah, that was I the got last to time. see them in person and then Wilmer. Too. That was the last time they were we saw them as Mets um, and it yeah. was Wilmer's last walk off as a Met. And so. Um, which we didn't know at the time, obviously. So, it, and it ended up being like, it wasn't just like, it wasn't any old walk off. It, it was a six run comeback. Um, yeah. Against the I think A's. they tied it up in the eighth, and then I think he walked it off in the ninth. Exactly. If I remember. Yes. Yeah. So they clawed back from a five nothing deficit to win six to five because Wheeler pitched awful. Oh, he was awful. Yeah. I think he gave up like a double to Sean Manaya. Yeah. And like, I was like, did he, uh, how do you give up uh, like a hit to an American League pitcher? That was like, I think it was like a run scoring double or it was, a, it was a big hit. I'm like, Wheeler, man, what are you doing? So that game seemed like it was going to be awful early because they went down five, nothing early. And like, obviously like they didn't come back until late. It wasn't like they clawed back slowly. Like they, no. there was nothing doing the and the whole so middle of that game was so boring and they looked so bad. And then <laughs> in the eighth, they scored five runs and then one more. Yeah. Flores walked up. It was so fun. I remember I went to go get ice cream because I wanted to get the ice cream in the home run apple. Oh, and yeah. Of co- and, of course, by the time I got there, because uh, I went, I think, right before the eighth inning, or it was the, the seventh inning, I think I went. And I'm waiting in line, and, of course, they don't have the home run apple and the ice cream. So I'm like, oh, right, I'll just get, you know, it in a cup or whatever. And I'm walking back, and I'll hold my ice cream, 
and I think I, I want to say it was Duda and I was walking past um, you know where center field is and I kind of looked out and I saw the ball coming towards me so I'm just sitting there holding my ice cream like cheering by myself and like because <laughs> yes! I wasn't at my seat I'm like I'm cheering with strangers I'm like but I don't want to drop my ice cream <laughs> <laughs> And I finally got back to my seat. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm like ice cream dripping everywhere because I stopped to watch. So I was like, well, I, uh, I see they tied it up. I was like, uh, getting the ice cream, I think, was the good luck charm. Because yes. they didn't start the rally until I went to go get it. So Obviously, it, all happened because like you went to go cream. get ice cream. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, I I think I want to say Darno hit a home run that game, too. I think he did, yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like a goodbye. I'm glad I went that day because it was Thor bobblehead night. Yes. I think that's why yes. I went. That's why a lot of people went. A lot of people yeah. were there. A lot of people yeah. were gone by the time they walked it off. Yes. They just came and got the bobblehead and it was like, okay, this game sucks and left. So it was but actually- it was like a bigger crowd than it would have normally been what, because, what? Yeah. because of the bobblehead. Yeah. A lot of us, a lot of Amazing Avenue folks were there because yeah. of the bobblehead. It was... You and me, I know Jeff and Jarrett were there. Rob yes, was there. Right. We met before the game. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, we all hung out before the game. You, yes, me, my right. parents, Rob and Allison, and then uh, Jeff and Jarrett were there. Yeah. Yes, right. I forgot about that. I yeah. ate the giant um, bratwurst. I, re- <laughs> <laughs> I remember my dad and I were eating the giant bratwursts. That's, that, that's <laughs> my memory of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of nice because I got to say goodbye to, you know... Yeah. That was kind of the end of the era almost. Yeah. Like, yep. You know, the team went, underwent a complete transformation after that. Yep. So it, that kind of felt like the ending. Yeah, and it was for kind sure. of fitting that it ended on a Wilmer walk off. I um, actually got to see Lucas Duda in person one more time after that. Um, because... Oh, well, for what he went. From the Orioles, yeah. So yeah, he got traded on the Royals? to the um to no, not on the Royals. He because okay. that's the that season he got traded to um the Rays. Um, oh yeah, before he was on the Royals, he got signed by the Royals over the off season. But uh, at the deadline, he got traded to the Rays. And so one of the times in September when the Rays played the Orioles, I was like, I want to go because I want to see Lucas Duda. So Aww. I went to I made like a last minute game day decision and got tickets. And I like went super early and I made a and I wore I did which I don't usually do for Orioles games. Usually I just wear Orioles gear to Orioles games because like obviously except. When when they play the Mets, I wear Mets gear. Um, mm-hmm. But this time I wore my Orioles tank top, but my Mets hat. Um, and I made a big sign that says, that said, we follow Lucas Duda for the, for the Grandy, oh, um, yeah. for the Grandy Instagram account, um, which I miss so much, by the way. Um, I do too. What a joy that account was. Such a good Instagram account. So I made a big sign that said, we follow Lucas Duda. And then underneath I wrote, we miss you so much. Um, and, and I and I like stood in batting practice and I held the sign up and he and Lucas Duda threw me a baseball. Which oh, oh, that's so sweet. So that's one of my cooler like baseball memories too um, of, of recent uh, years is Lucas Duda seeing my sign and throwing me a baseball. So that was happy. So yeah, it is really cute. Yeah, so way to go, Lucas. Yeah. Actually, I just kind of you know when you said um, how games take on more importance in hindsight, that actually made me remember. Um, we went to a game. It was it was right after they made the Kelly Johnson 
and Juan Uribe trade. Oh, it was man. before. Yeah, it was before Cespedes. They called. It was they called up Conforto the night before. So it was that Saturday. They were playing the Dodgers, and you know that was when their offense was awful. And um, but I think both Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe were in the lineup, and. And I saw Michael Conforto's first major league hit that night. That's and pretty cool. Yeah, he went four for four. They won 15 to two. Matt Harvey started and was really good. It was a seven line night. Um, and so I remember, you know, scrolling through Twitter because I remember because my brother works for a healthcare company. So he buys tickets from a doctor who has season tickets. And so we were there, it was me and my brother, and then the doctor and his wife were next to us. And the doctor at one point goes, hey, look, everybody's batting over 200 on the scoreboard. <laughs> so I was like, we should hang like a mission accomplished banner on the scoreboard. Because oh they were so bad at the time. And um, I remember it was just, they, I think they just scored like a ton of runs in the first inning and I actually have a picture of Michael Conforto's first hit. I got it. And um, and I remember scrolling through Twitter and Mark Craig <laughs> tweeted. He was like, my first question to Terry after this game is going to be, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of stands out, too, because of just, you know, the, the importance of that game. Like, you know, I saw Michael Conforto's first big league hit. Like, you know, at the time I was kind of excited. I'm like, wow, we just happened to have tickets. And then they called them up the night before. I was like, and then the night before was when they almost got no hit by Clayton Kershaw. Oh, right. Yep. And, um, you know, when it was like, yeah, this is like a foregone conclusion. They're going to get no hit. But Grandy, I think, broke it up. And then the next yeah, night they won. Yeah, and then the next night they won 15-2, to two, and it's like, yep. oh my god, where'd this offense come where'd from? Where'd this, this come is, from? Yeah, this is unheard of. So yeah, that was my other one that probably stands out. And I saw Captain Kirk's three-home run game. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I was, I was happy for Kirk, because my brother kind of jokingly said, like, oh, he should hit one to every field after, like, he hit the first one. Yeah. And he ended up hitting one to every Every field. field. So that was really cool. what might have been his baseball career. I know, I know. So those are probably the ones that that stick out the most for me. Like I said, it's hard to pick one. It is, it is. I'm going to do a quick shout out of um, the game that should have been on my list and isn't because my brother got to go instead of me and I'm still mad. So back in, back when I was in high school, so this was like the mid to late thousands, um, we got like a pack of games. That was back when we used to go to more games because obviously I lived in New Jersey. And so um, we went to like, I, I think my dad would get like the 12 packs of games. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so he'd always get two tickets um, like because all four of us didn't like didn't go at a time ever. It, it was usually me and my dad. But every once in a while, like my mom would go to one or like and my brother always got to pick like my brother always got to go to the game that happened to be closest to his birthday which is august 22nd okay um so august 22nd 2006 guess what happened that day that was the carlos beltran walk-off against the cardinals like one of the most epic games in like mets history and my brother and my dad were there and i was not there and i'm still so angry (laughs) well i have to say i know for a fact my brother's probably most memorable game 
is the 10 run inning against the Braves in 2000. That was a listener submission as well. Yeah. And um, and so now no matter what, he will he refuses, absolutely refuses to leave a game early because of that game. Yeah. I mean, never leave a game early. I'm, no, I, you, there's no clock. You're never out of it. I think the, the David Wright final game, honestly, was the first game I've ever left early in my life, I think. And I was no. I, I only did it because I had to. But had like, to. I don't think I've ever voluntarily left a game early before. Ever. No. Nope. No. <laughs> and I don't think I ever will. Never leave a game early. So yeah, so I will now read the listener submissions because we got many of them. And thank you guys for sending yeah, them in. You. They brought us a lot of joy. And so we hope that we'll br- they'll bring you joy too. So we already read Vaz's one. And um, you just mentioned the 10 run inning. Um, so we got a submission about that too from Jeff Cohen on Twitter. He said that the best game he's ever been to is June 30th, 2000. Mike Piazza caps off a 10 run inning with a line drive homer. Shea went crazy. So that's the same yeah. as your brothers. Yeah, um, my brothers did say... It shakes. I, I don't. I don't. I wish I got to experience that. But. Me too. My parents ha- did because they were at. Um, they were there when the Mets won the World Series in 1996. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> I um, know it's so unfair. And my brother was sitting in left field above where the home run landed, so he never saw it land because right. he just kind of lost sight of it. It went underneath him, so he was just like kind of going on everybody else. And his friend from he went with his friend from high school. And his friend was like, yeah, sex and leaving. So his friend left. And so my brother was there by himself. Sucks like, just to like, be him. Yeah, like high-fiving strangers and going crazy. And he's like, I still have literally never seen that ball land. And also <laughs> give give your friend shit for the rest of your lives. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. deserves uh-huh. it. Yep. Um, all right, so Mike Flaherty on Twitter said that his best game was uh, June 11th, 2005, Mets 5, Angels 3. Beltran robbed Benji Molina of a home run. Marlon oh, Anderson wow. tied the game in the bottom of the ninth with an inside-the-park homer, and Cliff Floyd hit a walk-off homer to win it in extra innings. That's wow. pretty freaking cool. That's really cool. That, that You got, like, that's like, like, what else could you possibly fit in one game? Yeah, that's a potpourri of fun things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cliff Floyd, I miss Cliff Floyd. I love him I, so much. I loved Cliff Floyd. And the fact that he was like David Wright's mentor too. Like he so kind of took him under his wing. Like so I, I loved Cliff. He was such a great addition. And I think the fact that he was hurt too in the playoffs, I think that hurt them. Um, from the same like thousands, early thousands era, we've got Ken on Twitter said, uh, Benny's game winning playoff, a uh, game winning hit playoff game against the Giants was oh. the best game. Best doubleheader oh, was the Ventura Grand Slam in both. 1999 was the best. <laughs> oh, man. Bad. Yeah, those Bad. are fun games. I'm pretty jealous. Benny Agbayani yeah. ruled so hard. I love him. He did. <laughs> I loved Benny Agbayani. And then we've got a couple of um, entries. We've got a few entries from uh, the 2015 playoffs, so I'll group those together. We've got Brandon Weber, who was at game one of the 2015 NLCS. Oh, nice. The whole night was so crazy. I don't even know. Uh, I don't even know. I was. Go- I didn't even know I was going until the day before when my friend had last minute tickets. I remember going crazy when Murphy and Darno hit their home runs and when Cespedes made that great throw to home plate. That throw was so good. Oh, I know. Oh, and then Abe Rosenberg was at 2015 game three of the NLDS against the Dodgers. First oh, postseason game nice. at City. Crowd was electric. Cespedes bomb. Favorite memory in my lifetime. That game. So good because fuck Chase Utley. Yeah. 
forever and ever. And oh, the cesspit. The cesspit incredible and but once again we can't forget grandy getting it started grandy was grandy was probably their mvp yeah i I know like murphy you know um stole the spotlight but grandy was far more consistent and he was the only one who did anything in the world series it's true it's true so speaking of the world series our own dave capo bianco so he was also at 2015 nlds game three but he said i'm probably writing about my number one best game i've ever attended for the site at some point which was 2015 nlds game three so i'll talk about my second favorite game game three of that year's world series Mm. it was kind of a surreal experience just walking into the park the parking lot looked a lot more like a local street fair with how many attractions there were there were several tv studios set up outside the rotunda there was a heavy there was a heavy police presence with a fairly large nypd chopper flying circles over the stadium before the game and police cars lined up along the street now known as Seaver way i had never seen anything like it for a baseball game i got to see david wright hit that famous home run and the reaction to thor striking out alcides alcides escobar after the brush back pitch in the first inning is still the loudest fucking noise i've ever heard (laughs) it was cold as hell my seat might as well have been on the roof (laughs) but hey i went to the world series and i was able to pull off some positive memories of that miserable wreckage of that world series yeah yeah, like i I didn't think of it that way. Like, the stuff outside the stadium, like, you know it's an event. Like, it's something huge that's happening. And that's kind of, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really jealous of everyone that got to go to the 2015 playoffs. Like, I am too, because our experience at the playoffs is completely different. Yeah, because we were both at, again, Linda and I have been to a lot (laughs) of the same games, folks. That's a theme of this podcast, not intentionally. But yeah, we were both at the So Fucking Taguchi game, and that is my only playoff baseball experience mine too because leaving that game i said never again i'm never doing this again well yeah, i, I can... had tickets for the 2015 playoffs but i had tickets for nlcs game seven which obviously oh. did not occur i mean like i'm not mad because like yeah. they swept so like how could i possibly be mad um, yeah. but that would have been a fun game if that had happened so i would have i would have been at that but that obviously did not occur um so i was in the upper deck at shea in right field and I remember the ball was hit to left, so I was able to track that thing off the bat. I'm like, no, 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 it's not going to go. No, 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 oh my God! No! <laughs> and it was so fucking cold, too. Cold! God. Especially in the upper deck at Shea. It was so yeah, windy. Yeah, we were in the upper deck. I think we were in the literal last row or close to it. And I was, <laughs> it was freezing. Oh, what a nightmare. Where um, were you? Were you in left, right? Um, I think we were. I think we were in, like... Like, we were not quite behind home plate. I think we were, like, a little shifted toward the um, third base side. Okay. Yeah. So you got a good view of yes. the damage. Yes. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but other people went to more pleasant playoff games. Like, Mark Simon, friend of yes, the pod. Um, what I'm was jealous at- of. Was that 1999 NLCS game five, which is so cool. That's the so loudest cool. I've ever... Uh, I've ever been at a game. I usually just sit and clap, but I was loud for Masahato to Yoshi for the first pitch, and I was still going when uh, Shawan Dustin came up in the fifteenth. Dustin, yeah. Oh, that's. Uh, but I, I don't know how anybody sat through that because it poured pretty much yeah. the entire game. The Man. oral history of that that the athletic wrote was actually really cool. Like I have a total new appreciation of Sean Dunstan. Yeah. 
Um, so for uh, we got two email submissions. One is from Jay Wu, who is actually at the same game as as you, Linda. He picked one of your games uh, for a Mets game. I would choose. I think he said 2020, but I think he means 2019. I would oh. choose 2019 season's game against the Nationals with the Conforto walk off hit. So he's. In addition, it was Stroman's first home game. Everyone was mm-hmm. fired up. That game was never give up work ethic game. Nationals kept kept getting runs and Mets kept coming back. Yeah. Ninth inning, City Field was like wow. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, as the as the Mets didn't give up, I didn't give up on my job searching process, even though I had a big issue with my visa. And guess what? I got my work visa approved in February. I'd been working. Uh, I have been working in Colorado since March fourth. So that game inspired me a lot, which was really cool. It is cool. So, um, but he also he also uh, submitted a non-Mets game as his other favorite baseball game he's ever been to, which was the 2009 World Baseball Classic semifinal, South Korea versus Venezuela at Dodger Stadium. He's originally from South Korea. So that game was special to him. Um, He said, watching my home country here in the U.S. meant so much. Everyone said Venezuela will beat South Korea easily because their squads were filled with active MLB rosters like Miguel Cabrera, Bobby Abreu, Carlos Silva, etc. So many Koreans with our flags at with our flag at that game. It was probably my best game, the best game in my life for sure. So that's really cool. That is. Um, so we also got an email um, submission from Maggie S. Uh, Maggie S says the best Mets game I've ever uh, been to was the game on the 4th of July in 2016 against the Marlins. Oh, that's such a good game. Uh, the game. Oh, before- I was at that game too. <laughs> Wilmer Flores six for six is that the game game? the game before was the game when Wilmer Flores got six hits so that was the one I was at so everyone at the stadium went absolutely wild every time he came up to bat rightfully so Matt Harvey started the game and quickly let up six runs before he got pulled in the fourth inning however the Mets somehow were able to slowly chip away at that lead including Travis Darno's first home run of the season and managed to win the game eight to six it was just an incredible atmosphere to be around as they pulled ahead and ended up winning the game and by far my best memory at a Mets game so that's really uh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So I was there the day before. Yeah, because I had I got the Cespedes sleeve the day before. Right. That's right. And and Chris, I met up with Chris McShane at that game, and at one point he pointed this out because I was chatting with him. Jacob Degrom pinch hit that game, and they had their catcher being like the the pitcher. So we're like, there's a catcher pitching and a pitcher hitting. <laughs> Yeah, as the pitch hitter, so it was kind of funny. Like it was just one of those weird, quirky things in that game. <laughs> I remember that series vividly because um, I wasn't at any of the games, but um, my my annual family vacation is always July Fourth. We go up to Cape Cod, um, and my whole family, my whole dad's side of the family, meets up at Cape Cod. Um, and so, and obviously, that is like way more Mets fans gathering in one place than I'm used to. <laughs> Because yeah, used to just like you know watching the games with my dad or you know or with Michael I like and so get whenever my family gets together it's really special because I get to watch the games with a lot of Mets fans at once um and so uh, that series was obviously while I was up there with my family and so I just remember like watching those games and us like freaking out as a group um and so that's always like the games around July 4th that are good always like stick in my mind because of that because I'm always with my family for those so. Oh, I do have another good 2016 one. It was against the Twins at the end of the year when, like, every win was important. Right. And pretty sure Hansel Robles blew it. And Sounds about right. <laughs> and then I th- and then Grandy, I want to say, it was, I think it went to extra innings. And I want to say Grandy hit a home run in the 10th 
And then in the 11th, I don't think it was the 9th and the 10th. I think it was the 10th and the 11th. Ooh, I think I was at the gym during this, and I heard it on the radio while I was at the gym, and I was losing my mind in the Yes, gym. and I think that's the first time in Mets history, like, any player has hit two home runs in, like, back-to-back innings in an extra inning game to win it. And I was like, Granddaddy! I've been <laughs> so in the much- gym for a lot of, like, epic Mets wins where I have to, like, and, like, listening to Howie on the radio while I'm at the gym and I've had to, like, suppress my, like, urge, just, like, <laughs> scream in public. <laughs> I think another one like that was, um, what was the game when Conforto and Frazier hit the back-to-back home oh, runs to win the game? I was that was against like the Marlins, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the Marlins. I was at the gym for that, too. Or was it the <laughs> Pirates. And I just Mar- remember like being at the gym and like doing squats and being like, bah! Bah! <laughs> <laughs> all right, girls. Like that was me in 2015 because I was working two jobs at the time. So I was watching like the playoff games on GameCast, like at my deck, and I'm like, like, ah! 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm a, for those of you who don't know I'm a weirdo who likes to work out like really late at night especially in grad school it's kind of subsided now but in grad school I like used to go to the gym at like 9 p.m because no one would be there and so um that was my favorite time to go <laughs> and so I I was at, I've been at the gym for a lot of like weird Mets moments that I've heard um how Howie's voice for so um, those are some fun memories, but we're going to close, um, the listener submissions with my personal favorite. All yeah, this of you, one was, this one was great. I, I, I agree with you, Allison. All of you submitted fantastic memories and I'm jealous of every single one of you, but this is the best one uh, from Michael on Twitter. The best game I ever attend is the next one I attend after this is over. Preach, yes. Michael. Preach. Yes, we are in total, total agreement with you, Michael. <laughs> For freaking whatever they give us the clearance it's just gonna be like a pilgrimage to city field i know pilgrimage is the exact right word that is what it's gonna be like oh man just people camped out for days in front of the city field in front of the rotunda i'm imagining like people building like random shrines at the home run at the home run apple outside the stadium just like putting bobbleheads on it and being like please baseball gods Please, please let us have baseball. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I don't want to lose this, but it's in Strollman for nothing. I know, that would be very upsetting. It that would be, be upsetting. Um, <laughs> so, um, so we're going to close out the show this week, like we do every week, with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. So, Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, my walk-off win was I woke up on the morning of March 25th, and I had two pe- two texts from my friend, and it was her new baby girl. Yay! Um, I wasn't expecting it, because she was due March 20th, and she said, you know, if nothing happens, they're going to induce me next Thursday, which was March 26th. So I was like, okay, so I wasn't expecting anything until March 26th. Um, but I guess (laughs) she wanted to labor. And so that was just a nice surprise to wake up to. Emma Faye is her name. Um, yeah, Faye was my friend's grandmother. Um, I've known my friend Heather since we were three, we went to preschool together and, um, her son, her firstborn is my godson. And, um, you know, it was kind of funny because my grandmother, 
uh, had emphysema and she was like in and out of nursing homes towards the end. And then Faye, my friend's grandmother, Heather's grandmother, fell and broke her hip. So she ended up in the same nursing home as my grandmother. Oh, my God. So then then they became friends in the nursing home. So it was just kind of fun that, you know, when I would visit my grandmother, I'd see Faye. And um, so when I got the name, I was like, Faye, because she was the sweetest, like this little diminutive, like, I don't even think she was five feet. She had this, like, just fun Irish accent. And um, so I, 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 just a sweet, sweet lady. So when I saw the name, I was like, it's, it's kind of, it was perfect. So that is perfect. Yeah. So congratulations to my friend. And it kind of hurts because I wasn't able to visit her in the hospital like I did when she had William, my godson. Um, you know, and then I had to say, hey, can I have something sent to the house? Are you okay accepting packages? And so, so it's just kind of a weird time. Um, but, you know, I was like, you're going to have quite a story to tell your daughter about <laughs> about when she was born. Yeah, um, exactly. All these babies being born yeah. right now. Like, all these parents are going to be able to tell their kids, like, it was a really weird time to be in the hospital. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so congratulations to Heather. And, you know, I do, I can't wait to meet little Emma. And I'm sure she already sent me a picture of uh, Willie with her being a big brother holding Very holding cute. Emma. So yes, congratulations to the whole family. And um, yeah, I hope I get to I hope I get to meet her soon. Yay! It's so nice because it's a reminder. Like, it, it the times are weird, but it's a reminder that like life keeps happening. Yeah, like it, life goes on. Yeah, like there's still hope. There's still you know life. There's still you know they're still good. Yeah, exactly. Um, so on that similar note of like life going on during this weird crisis time, um, my dad's 60th birthday was over the weekend. On the oh, 28th. happy birthday, Mr. McKee. Yes. Um, so it was his birthday and obviously we had plans that were different from what happened. Yeah. Um, so we had plans like Michael was supposed to come down and we were supposed to all go out to dinner and none of that happened. Um, so, but instead, um, I, I still think that we made the most of it. Um, so, um, obviously, uh, a lot of like local breweries are struggling right now because their tap rooms can't be open during this and they're all small businesses, you know, and a lot of them have already gone under. Um, but those that remain are doing curbside pickup of their beers. So they'll either like fill cans or growlers with their beer and you can go pick it up at the brewery, um, from six feet away, of course. Um, and so... <laughs> Uh, we, uh, there's like kind of two, uh, breweries close-ish to my house, about 10 minutes away, each of them. So we ordered a bunch of beer from each of them and we picked it up, uh, at the breweries and then we just, we had a quiet celebration at home and it was really nice to just like feel like we were supporting the local breweries because I, like, they're my favorite places to be, um, around here, uh, near my parents' house. Like I have a lot of memories with, at both those places. And so, um, I really miss going and so it was our way to support them and hope that they survive through this yeah. uh, through this crisis and um, we're gonna keep doing that and we we already ordered more beer for next weekend and so um, yeah and we my mom still got a cake and everything from the grocery store and so we had our own little celebration at home so it was nice yeah you happy make the most of it dad. yeah happy birthday Mr. McKee so that is the show this week um, 
We will be back next week. We have a guest next week, so get excited for that. Um, but in the meantime, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com. The March Badness Tournament is in uh, the final stages, as we mentioned at the top of the show, so go vote for that. Um, we have content going up all the time. We have Dave's weird Omegle stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that took a turn. That was a good one today. It was good. It was good. So, like, Dave, um, in addition to his MLB The Show prowess of League of Bartolo Colognes, <laughs> another one of Dave's, like, semi-viral posts was uh, back when he, uh, the first Omegle post he did was when he asked random people on Omegle if Lucas Duda is good. <laughs> And so he has done sort of the sequel to that. I won't give any spoilers, but uh, he's done another Omegle-related post. uh, So look out for that. We're doing lots of silly, weird content just to try to keep everyone engaged during this time without baseball. Um, Looking back, I think we are going to have a series of best games we've ever been to, like as far as the staff are concerned. So keep a look out for that. Sorry, I have to interrupt for a second because Mark Johnson is on deck and wearing number 20. (laughs) And it just looks so weird now that that's not Pete. And really, Mark Johnson. Mm, Mark Johnson. That's a a blast from the past. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's remembering some guys. Um, (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. (laughs) But yeah, we're going to keep having lots of silly content for you guys just to keep everyone entertained uh, while we wait for baseball to come back. Uh, You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow the show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And Maggie is at Maggie162. So you can follow each of us on Twitter, follow the show on Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast. So please do that if you haven't already. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get you, your podcasts. Uh, subscribe to our whole suite of fantastic shows. Um, you can rate and review the podcast, so please do that if you haven't. It really helps other people find the show. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets, and don't forget, there is no crying in the